This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. Season 2, Episode 2, I'm back with Brandon and Joe, two, two goats in their own way. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. You know, it's not every day you're called goat-worthy, so oh, go definitely just got better. Welcome, I usually only call Michael Jordan and Tom Brady that, but you guys definitely qualify for that. <laughs> um, today we're gonna, we have a very fun show for you guys, NBA, NHL, and PGA, and a very good uh, debate topic at the end, but I'll keep that as a surprise and let Brandon announce that later. But we can hop right into NBA, so we had a lot of games last night. The Hawks and Knicks, crazy game, guys. I don't know if you guys got a chance to see it, but Trey Young actually got spit on by a fan. It was insane, and Russell Westbrook also got popcorn poured on by a fan. So my question to you guys is, do you think, obviously having fans back since the world is starting to get back to normal is great, but do you think it's the right thing to do, the fans who do this get banned for life like they did? That's a good question. Because, like, I was honestly just, like, watching sports be back, you obviously have, like, the rowdy fans who take it a little bit too far. Like, especially, I was watching PGA, too. Like, there's guys who are, like, you know, drinking the whole time, kind of being a little bit too rowdy, going, like, a little bit too crazy. And, like, that does beg the question, like, where, since fans are going to be back, there's the people who kind of take it a little bit too far. and just. Be, I think it's just because there's not as many. There's a very small percentage of, like, what can actually be back. And then to see those people who kind of take it a little bit too far just shines, like, because usually when there's so many people, they're in, like, it's full capacity. It's not that big of a deal because it's, they're kind of drowned out with the noise and all that. But when there's only, like, that, like I said, that small percentage, the spotlight is way more on them than usual. So you get those moments where, you know, Trey Young gets spit on. You have, like, uh, uh, Bryson DeChambeau getting cackled by a bunch of uh, fans out on the PGA Tour. You got guys who take a little bit too far. So I think when kind of everything gets even farther, like, back to normal and gets 100% capacity, I think it won't be that big of a deal. But I definitely think that people got to be keeping an eye out and just kind of act a little bit better, especially since you'll have those people that kind of take a little bit too far with, like, way more, way more uh, publicity that's going to be on with not as many people. Yeah, and I mean, you got to think, for, especially for, um, in in this case, going with Trey Young getting spit on, of course, Knicks fans. The Knicks haven't been in this situation for how long now? I mean, we've heard every Stephen A. rant in the last Eight 10 years. years. It's been a long time. So they are, it, they're all in. They're going to do whatever it takes. And of course, sometimes when that happens, especially in the sports environment, anything goes. Anything to get a competitive advantage. We see this all the time. I mean, you can see it in cheating as far as baseball. And you can, you, anything the fans can do to get in somebody's head, make something different change in the game in their team's favor, they're going to do it. And I think that that sometimes that they're so invested in the game. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a game, but it's really not in that moment of time. It is, we are going to help our team win right now. And sometimes you really, you just kind of get tunnel vision. And sometimes you have those things where you might make a bad decision and those things happen. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, those, especially the incident with Russell Westbrook, and I can understand it a little bit, uh, like, not necessarily the action, whatever. The action was definitely not necessary whatsoever. But, I mean, it, in retrospect, Russell Westbrook can be a hateable guy. He's not the most favored. He's not the most likable just because of the way he is. And But there's no, there's no reason that that should allow somebody to throw popcorn on him, and especially from the stands. I know the um, the Garden has banned that man for life, they announced on a, a formal um, a formal note of the incident and all the, all the details that they've banned him and I, I, it's really hard for me to say that one bad decision should cost somebody their chance to see them or see their team play again for life. But at the end of the day, it's a deliberate act and it has to be, it has to be handled in that case. Now, is it going to be worth the ban? I don't know if it's worth a ban of a year, but at the it, it, you, they certainly can't have them within you. They, they can't continue to be there for the next, how many ever playoff games there is at the garden however long it takes you there that's definitely not going to be he's not going to be there and he shouldn't be but banning for life that might be a little bit over the top but then again it's a deliberate act and it happened in the worst case scenario so they have to do something about it major 
Because both fans got banned for life, and you both make interesting points. I think that should never happen or take place in a sporting event because there's no room for that. The taunting and, like, talking trash, that's a part of sports. That's, like, when I was watching with my dad yesterday, I said I miss having fans back, and I'm glad things, you know, are getting back to normal with more people vaccinated. But the touch the players to spit on them, I think that's way overboard. You shouldn't, regardless if you don't like the guy, you shouldn't do that. And someone like Westbrook, I wonder why he gets picked on sometimes the way he is. Just outside of him talking to media, he's someone who works very hard on the court. To me, he's the only player who gives it his all every day, who doesn't load manage. I don't know why people do that. Even high schoolers are doing that now. But um, I think that's very interesting uh, for that. But um, I do think having fans back does affect the outcome of the game. Last year, we kind of saw a professional scrimmage, in a sense, in the bubble, which was, you know, no distractions for the guys. So it is interesting having them back. But also another point in the NBA, I talk some trouble. Guys are down 0-2. I would love to hear your opinions on it. I I am interested to see uh, kind of what they're able to do because I think everybody's really wants to see uh, LA Western Conference Final. I want to see that. I want to see them be able to match up against each other. But I wouldn't say count them out. I think they can definitely make uh, a little bit. I think they'll probably get a push because I think this down 2-0 is going to be able to kind of light a fire underneath them. I think Kawhi is going to be able to step it up a little bit. Paul George as well. Playoff P. Uh, we haven't seen him in a while, so I think he might be dormant. But we'll see if he's able to kind of come out of that hibernation just for these next couple of games. But I think the 2-0, uh, 2-0 deficit that they're in right now is definitely going to push them to uh, kind of go to the next level and get some wins back. That'll Will it? Will they be able to get the four wins to propel them in the next round? Who knows? I It's very unlikely. I don't think so, especially with the 2-0 lead in, in uh, playoffs. But I definitely think that they're going to have – they're probably going to bring lead maybe tied or get at least two more wins in this series. Yeah, and I think, I think it's a very, I mean, we've 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 really kind of seen this before, where like Clippers get off to a rough start, and then really is it where they rebound? Is this going to be finally a time that they do? Because I mean, they they did a really good job um, last postseason, getting through the first round after some struggles, and then ending up running into pretty much the hottest team in the bubble at the time in Denver, and now they're in a situation where. A little bit of uncharted territory being a little bit in a different scenario because I think last year that the Clippers were really kind of the they were really kind of the favorited team despite going down too early and now it's kind of like everybody's starting to feel a little bit differently this time that now everyone's getting on the Dallas train. Um, I I think it is a little bit too early now. If it's three L, obviously everyone's going to jump on it because. You got to just win one game before they win four. That's one out of five. That's pretty good percentages. But then again, Cavaliers, Warriors, we know how that happened. But I mean, really, the Clippers, like, what exactly do they need to get over the hump? I honestly don't know. I mean, they they really did a, a better job of shooting the three ball in game two. They really didn't do a great job in game one. But I mean, Dallas just they they just filled it all night long and that's really what came down and they didn't even hit all their free throws i think they were just over 50% from the charity stripe and they still won by almost double digits that is a little bit of a concern and i don't know exactly what the clippers need to get over that hump cuz i mean they made the additions in the offseason they got rajon rondo halfway through you have Kawhi Leonard you have Paul George you have all of these players that can get the job done it's, it just seems like and it's just not clicking right now. And Dallas really is doing a great job of taking advantage of their struggles. And they're playing good basketball right now. And Luka's been playing well. Porzingis has been stepping up. And really, they're kind of doing what we should see out of the Clippers. So it, it's looking a little bit bleak right now if you're a Clippers fan. And I don't really know how to change it because they, they got to figure it out. And they got to figure it out fast because 3-0 is different than 2-0. Guarantee you that. As both make good points. I've been, obviously, as... You know, I've been finals, and I've been getting trolled the past few days, so I've been just like hiding out here in my basement. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> no, I agree. Like, and pandemic P has to turn off to playoff P. I do not believe. I cannot believe what is going on. Yes, he had 29 uh, in the last game on 12-22, but still one of seven from three. There's only so much Kawhi can do. He had 41 last game, 30 of that in the first half. So defensively. I don't think they have an answer for Luka because I've never seen two guys like Paul George and Kawhi who are so gifted on perimeter on-ball defense not be able to guard this guy. Like, Luka is literally, I think he's like the white LeBron. That's not as much athletic, but he's so crafty, and he, I got to give Luka his props. 
If they win this series, I think they can make the conference finals potentially against LA. But the Clippers, like Joe, you said I think it's possible they can win four games, but they have to win both games in Dallas. And it's going to be tough. Dallas, um, their arena uh, sits 19,000. They're already putting 15,000 guaranteed seats. So um, I mean, tomorrow yeah, night's Texas, game. Texas is open 100%. So uh, they definitely have the they definitely have the advantage here. Might even be it might even be all 19,000 then since it is 100% like you said. So I think. They need to get it done. The Clippers, if they if they lose this series, this is a big take, but Kawhi is going to leave. You can't do this back-to-back years when you were favored to win and you blow a 3-1 lead in the bubble, then you lose in the first round to a team you just beat last year in the bubble by really one guy and, you know, KP is playing good as well tomorrow. I think the Clippers, I don't really know. You add Rondo, you add Boogie, Tyron Lue's done a good job. I just think it might be time to cut ties if they don't uh, get past this series. But also for the NBA, the next part was um, the potential of the Lakers repeating. Love to hear you guys take on that as they go into game three tonight back in L.A. They have a good chance. I think uh, Anthony Davis, I've, he's starting to get back. Am I, am I, not, am I mistaken? Or he's, he's starting to get mm-hmm. back. He had 34 think, last game. He's back. Yeah. Especially with his performance last game, I think that's going to really bode well for them. LeBron's probably starting to get a little bit back into it because before, I mean, they didn't have him during this regular season. LeBron kind of had to step up. He was able to sit out a couple games, kind of trying to get that longevity in. And now I think, especially with these guys that they have back and the rotation is starting to get a little bit better, it's definitely going to add to uh, their abilities to go far. I think they have a pretty good slated lineup. They're playing the Suns, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this, I think this is probably going to be one of the. This is probably going to be the toughest uh, series for them up until the until the conference finals if they can make it that far. But nonetheless, I think that right now with AD coming back, with LeBron kind of getting a little bit more healthy and their bench kind of starting to heat up a little bit, I just think that's a recipe for success for them. I think they could very well do it. It's just going to be can they get past the Suns and kind of get ready for that Western Conference final and the final with kind of with that uh, semifinal uh, series that they're going to be coming up for. Yeah, and the Suns are playing great. Like they they are proving themselves as one of the top seeds in the West for for sure. They're they're playing fantastic. Um the problem right now with them is it's Anthony Davis. You just mentioned that he has been he's he's really been controlling the paint as far as the series goes. He had 34 as Travis mentioned last matchup where they got the win 109-102. And I mean DeAndre Ayton is just he just doesn't seem to have a quite of an answer for Anthony Davis, which I mean DeAndre Ayton's been in the league a couple years. Anthony Davis, veteran, all-star, elite player. And that's understandable. But really, the Suns, what they're going to do to adjust, because you know going into Game 3 coming up, they're going to have to make a change and put the ball in somebody else's hands. Because Anthony Davis is proving the MVP player of the series right now because the Suns can't stop him. I mean, obviously there's other contributors, LeBron, duh. But, I mean, right now they can't get Anthony Davis outside of the basket like he's getting to the basket he's making jump shots he's making moves in the paint he's getting to the basket and he's scoring and until that stopped like the Suns are going to have to fill it from the outside which can be a little inconsistent at times because I mean you got I mean you obviously you got guys like Chris Paul Jamison Crowder Devin Booker of course our Michigan native that we love um that can fill it from the outside but I mean then again that's kind of a hit or miss. I mean, Jamison Crowder, one of six in their last contest. Chris Paul, I believe, was two or one or four. Devin Booker did not hit a single three-point shot. When those things happen, how are you going to adjust if you're the Suns? Because the Lakers, they can adjust. They can give the ball to Anthony Davis, let him go, and we know what happens when that happens. They win the basketball game because he can take control. How the Suns react to that is going to determine the series, and unless they make a stop, I mean... As much as the Suns had a great year, it might be ending a lot sooner than they expected, and the Lakers are going to continue their run. Well, those are two good takes by you guys, but I think the Suns still can do it. I still think they can pull off the upset of the series and possibly win it in six or seven. I know my original pick is the Lakers five to six games. I'm going to stick with that, but I do think the Suns are capable of that. It's going to depend on Chris Paul's health. His shoulder, as you guys know, is not 100%, and so it's hurting them. And making Devin Booker trying to take, you know, the big, you know, trying to take too much, you know, on his shoulders. And this is his first playoff series, and of course it's against the defending champs. But you make an interesting point about AD, Brandon, and Joe. He's the most important player. LeBron's probably, LeBron's the best player on the team, but AD's the most important player. They need AD 
to win another championship if they're going to repeat. I don't think they will repeat this year. I do think they can go far. I think the Nets are still the favorite, as they should be, up 2-0 right now. But the Lakers are starting to get their mojo back. LeBron hit a lot of clutch shots in Game 2 to propel them in a win. But the thing is, they played that well. And Chris Paul, and you name the stats, Devin Booker and them played that bad. And they still only lost by 8. The Suns are still, if you only lose by 8 playing that bad, you're not in a bad, you know, in a bad suit looking for the next few games because it's still 1-1. Now all the Suns need to do is win about one game in L.A. If they go back home 2-2, they can get it possibly a game five. But it'll be interesting. I don't think the Lakers will repeat, but I don't blame somebody if they uh, say they do. And Brandon, uh, would you like to introduce the next topic? Yes, I would like to add one more thing before you're done, though. Okay. Uh, Joe, you claiming the Nuggets that might end early. Looking pretty good right now, I will say that. I, they did not play very well yesterday, and we I might see, see if because I was gonna say that because I mean, if you have the the Blazers moving on, like they might be a team that would theoretically take down the Lakers later in time. And I'm not saying this will happen, but hypothetically, you put those two together, there's the answer. They can shoot from the outside. McCollum, Lillard, those guys can fill it from the outside. And they got other great perimeter shooters on that team. They're a team that can counterattack that Anthony Davis domination. But then again, we're going to have to see both these teams make it through at least because, I mean, then again, both of those series we just mentioned are still tied at one-to-one and anything can happen. But as we transition over to an interesting sport we have not talked, got to let you know about the fire pit. A new one. Boom, boom. I thought you guys expect a different one. Uh, check out the fire pit if you like the Ferris State Torch. Everything to know about the editors, all the news, and more behind the scenes. You can check that podcast out on whatever platform you are on. But, of course, we got to talk about Mr. Phil Mickelson, the lefty, getting the W in the PGA Championship Joe, I know you want to start right off the bat. You can't stop smiling, so the floor is yours, my friend. You know, I, I'm really happy with how Phil Mickelson did. I was a little bit worried when he went into the final round. I was able to catch, I think, the first like eight holes or so, but then I had to kind of turn off the TV. I, I forget what I was doing, but there he had like a little bit of a scare kind of near the end. There was like a span of like three or four holes between like 15 and 17 where he had like a couple of bogeys in there, but luckily he had such a large lead into it that he's trying to just kind of coasting through. wasn't really too bad. Just kind of had to play conservative. He had a couple times where he played a little bit too hard, and I didn't think it was the best thing for him. But he had. But one thing I will add is uh, the probably the biggest shot that he had of round three was I think was on hole five when he had that hole out chip uh, when when Brooks was up. I think it was like the second hole where Brooks got a birdie, birth birdie, a birdie, and Phil got a bogey and uh phil was able to hold out get the part and able to kind of salvage that and after that i think that's what really propelled him because if he didn't make that that was going to be another bogey and i think brooks tied him in that hole but just that momentum he in the hole out was really the good thing another thing though that sorry to just kind of keep on rambling boys but uh, you're good go ahead but another thing that i kind of wish was different especially with him winning this it felt like a lot of the the focus on like phil's win was just how old like he obviously it's a big deal that he's the oldest uh major winner ever and that's a huge accomplishment in history and that's a great thing to see that he's still able to pro- produce and be able to play so well in his in his uh in his like increasing age i mean he's only 50 but like he's still got many years to go i just wish that the the reporters and stuff they kind of added on to the accomplishments of like hey this is your sixth major major win like you're kind of on leaderboards, you're close to like the the most all time. Like you're really starting to solidify yourself as one of the best. I mean, you are the be- one of the best golfers of all time, but you are starting to solidify yourself in that conversation of top three, top five golfers. But I just seem it just seems like they were all just so focused on like, hey, you're really old and you won. Like you're the oldest to ever win it. And I think they put a little bit too much emphasis on it. It was a very important thing that he did, but just if they didn't, I guess yeah, just put so much emphasis on the old part. I think after a while it just gets kind of boring. Phil probably just got a little bit annoyed by just saying like, "Like, yeah, I'm old, I get it, I still won," but like, you don't have to keep on saying it, you know. Yeah, I definitely agree with everything you said. I think it was a great like story overall. I was watching it on my, my job at the Country Club to be 50, and this is his first championship since 2013, eight years ago. You know, the last time he won. So to be 50 and just to be that great, it shows father time. You know, has to wait for some guys like him and Tom Brady. I just want to add, but. You know, Phil's all-time great. Him and 
Tiger Woods have always been like 1A and 1B to me. And his legacy, I mean, it speaks for itself, his entire resume, the things he's been able to accomplish, championship after championship. And even when he's not winning, he's still always in contention, top five, top ten, a lot of times. And, you know, the fact he's still getting invited and staying competitive at 50. This man has lived half of 100 years, so that's, I think it's remarkable. And I expect him to actually win one more championship before it's all said and done. I definitely think he has the capability for that. Because he just, you know, a lot of these guys just want to keep proving to themselves that they can still do it. And their drives are bigger than a lot of people. You know, they're willing to stay the extra hour to keep working on his shot to make sure it's in shape like he was 30 or something. So it's very admiring and very fun for a fan's perspective to watch it. Yeah, Phil's hidden hellacious seeds, as he likes to put it. <laughs> missiles. He does though. I mean, I mean, he out he outdrove. I believe there was a graphic. He outdrove Bryson. I believe it was on hole fourteen or fifteen. It was a long par five. And I mean, we don't have to three sixty six. I think it was. Yeah, it was like three sixty six. That. That's the yeah. exact number. He outdrove. I think Deshambo by two or three yards. But uh, we don't have to account for the tailwind. But still, it it was pretty impressive. <laughs> but um, I will say something, Joe. I'm so glad you brought up the age thing. I'm like everybody was just like. He's the oldest. He's the oldest. He's the oldest. And it's like, okay, we get it. To me, it's like, I'm more impressed of this. Phil has been so competitive this long, but he's he's never been on the top in so long, especially in a major as big of caliber as this one. I can't recall exactly when his last win was, but it wasn't recently. Like, you got other guys like Brooks has a couple big PGA wins. I mean, we just brought up Bryson DeChambeau, yeah. who won the U.S. Open last year. Four. He has four already. He has four yeah, he has four majors. And yeah. Phil hasn't won four majors, it seems like, in the last five, six, seven years at least already. And that's not discrediting him as a great golfer, but it's just he hasn't been up here yet. He's always been in the mix. Right. I mean, he's missed some cuts in the tournament this year. That gap and being able to put it all together that? and stay on top was absolutely awesome to see yeah. because he deserves it he's been working so long and so hard and he's a fan favorite absolutely for sure and it's just good to see yeah what was it the masters where after i think as he missed the cut at the masters he it was the masters the next day of him just drinking coffee on his couch like trying to like recuperate and it's like mm -hmm. okay like next major you end up winning which is insane to see mm -hmm. that he's just able to have that he's in the best shape of his life if you look back in the 90s and the early 2000s and stuff when he was kind of like in his prime and even in the 2010s he was i mean he had a little bit of chub on him he was he was not as thin as he was now he's way more defined he's way stronger he's a guy who i mean he's if you've seen his workout videos that he posts on his instagram every once in a while he's really moving the weight and that's one thing that's like really impressive is just to see how great of shape he is for being a 50 year old man and to be able to kind of keep that up keep up the flexibility keep up the rotation that he needs to be a good golfer and to be able to top everyone but another thing, boys, I don't know if you guys saw, uh, that also came out of this weekend was the brand new rivalry between Brooks and Bryson, which I don't know if you guys have saw on the video. I'm sure you guys have kind of heard it. Uh, Brooks was in an interview uh, with, uh, I think it was uh, the P or PGA TV or something like that. He was getting talked about if, uh, what, like, what was kind of the problem? Like, why would you, why weren't you able to kind of pull out some stuff? He was talking about how he wasn't able to read the putts too well. Bryson, it's a little bit undisclosed if he was able, if people were able to catch the words that he was saying, but a lot of people are putting it together that uh, he's just making fun of him missing putts, and then Bryson, or Brooks came in, got a little bit, a uh, little bit chippy with him. Both of them kind of exchanged, uh, I won't say exchange words, but they both definitely kind of acknowledge each other. Uh, and Brooks let out a couple uh, swear words at him. So I just wanted to get what you guys said. It's a brand new rivalry. It's a lot of things a lot of people are talking about. Uh, it's kind of one of the more refreshing things in the PGA scene. What are you guys' thoughts? I think it's definitely good for the sport. And the reason why, I know some people don't like, you know, think I woke up choosing violence, but I think that makes it more competitive. Like when guys like are doing that, because it's making more like, I'm going to win, no, I'm going to win. Like, you're going to keep going blow for, blow for blow until whoever, like, is at top. So I think um, it's very interesting. I think it can be a good thing. As long as it's, like, controlled, as long as, like, punches are being thrown, as long as they keep it, you know, golf and, like, keep the trash talking golf. I think it's great for um, the sport. It's going to definitely make more people want to watch it because then it's going to be aired on more on Sports Center, different things like that. And always, I think every weekend, like, is always a new rivalry, you know, created or renewed. So I think that's like the beauty of sports. But I definitely think it's a good thing for sports as long for golf as long as it stays controlled and doesn't get too vulgar or out of hand. 
you know, things like that. Like, as long as, you know. Yeah, just yeah. as long as it kind of keeps control a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we don't want people, we don't want clubs to be thrown or anything. Like, yeah, this is a gentleman's game, of course. I mean, obviously, we don't want people, like, we don't want... Uh, we don't want Brooks, like, standing in the crowd and then when DeChambeau's going to putt, like, tossing some popcorn on him. Of course, that's not what we want, but I think the, it just brings, it just brings out the character. And I think it's, um, I mean, especially with, um, with a lot of these, uh, younger guys, I mean, obviously, like, golf is really more of the gentleman's game, of course, like I just mentioned. Like, it's not necessarily, like, you're not gonna watch, like, you're not gonna watch pure hype videos going to watch like a tournament i mean there's just there's just a different aura as far as the sport goes but being able to see that still these guys these guys want to win they're high intensity they have rivalries too it's just cool to see and i mean like i'm i'm really kind of i'm liking this rivalry so far because i mean these two are the next up and coming young studs as far as golf is concerned right now as far as the two biggest names on this stage Bryson and Brooks are going to be the guys you're going to see at the top of the leaderboards a lot of the time and they've already won a lot like we've already mentioned but I I, I was just looking up to try to figure out when the initial incident was because I know this has been this has been churning for a long time these two have always had it out for each other and uh, Joe you might for a while yeah Joe might know more than I do but I mean like it's just <laughs> it's just it's just crazy because like we don't see that normally in golf, and I think that's what people love about it, especially with guys like Bryson and Brooks, who have some pretty competitive personalities. I mean, it's just the way they're wired, and the, I couldn't really possibly think of a better rivalry pretty much outside of uh, Tiger and Phil than those two guys right there, because right now, these are the two we're going to be watching up and coming for sure. But um, speaking of yeah. Brooks Kepka, um, moving into the next segment, a um, little bit of controversy, you could say. I say controversy kind of in air quotes because, I mean, a little bit interesting takes on this. Uh, talking really about um, the scene on the 18th hole, uh, Phil and Brooks, obviously, on the final card. They were the ones that finishing up on the golf course where Phil ended up making his putt on 18 to win. Uh, or I should, I should say his two putt. But um, before that, on their fairway shots, after Phil hit one of his... Um, there was a pretty much of pure fan mobbage, you could say. And, of course, we'll have images coming up on the screen of yeah. what was happening. Pretty crazy stuff. And I don't know how, exactly what was tr what was trying to be done because it didn't work. I mean, the fans were just, it almost looked like, no, it was just a straight mob. It was just people everywhere. And, like, literally, Brooks and his caddy could not get through the line of people because they were already waiting at the green for Phil to come up and start reading his putt. Brooks was still out. Yeah. He was still trying to hit. Like, I don't know exactly what they were trying to do to be yeah. done as far as PGA yeah. is concerned. Um, and Brooks comes out later and says, like, getting through that crowd and that mob, like, he tweaked his knee that he's already been a little bit on the limb for here already in his first couple years of his career. Um, not going to say he was making excuses, but I can understand where he's coming from. But I want to hear your thoughts, yeah. boys, exactly what it, what had happened and what do we need to make of this with this incident occurring? That, I think it's that, oh, but, oh, sorry, Travis. Uh, I think it's you can chalk it up to kind of what we already talked about. It's fans are back. And when are we going to draw the line of what's too much to, to do when you're at a sporting event? Because especially with that, it's like we've seen big crowds follow golfers. We've seen them be able to kind of do that stuff. But it's like you got to understand as a golf fan, like you can't like you can't just mob a guy, especially at, not even after he's finished. And I think you really, these golf courses, it's tough because, you know, like, especially with the COVID stuff, I don't really think they were expecting this many people to show up or if they were going to be, expect, I mean, especially with the story of Phil, it's like, forget about who you're watching. If Even if you're not a Phil fan, every single spectator in that on that golf course that day was definitely around Phil. They want to get a piece of history. And when you go back to Brooks, I understand his frustration because it's like, his knee, he's doing everything not to tweak his knee. He's getting down on the ball. His knee, his leg is completely straight. He's doing, like, yoga poses when he's trying to get a read uh, when he's putting. And especially when you go into that point of just, like, guys are around him, jostling around. It doesn't take much to, to tweak stuff, and it doesn't take much to re-aggravate injuries. And I think with that, with a PGA, they definitely got to look for the next tournament that they go, uh, go and play in. They definitely got to watch out for these fans, kind of have maybe a little bit more strict rules of what they can and cannot do because we don't.
No, just some slight technical difficulties. No, I, I definitely think, like, the same thing. But I think fans are, have been out of control for some time. Not even just in golf, just like in the NBA, NFL. Like, you can't be allowed to touch the athlete. That's There needs to be, like, a gate or, like, a police... Like, like you can't, you can't just do that. You can't just like slap the guy on the shoulder, or throw a popcorn, or et cetera. So I think fans, the excitement of having them back is good for sports, but there needs to be guidelines and rules and different things of that, et cetera. Because fans could end up getting hurt. You could see a malice at the palace in golf. You never know like what could happen if you piss off the wrong guy or say like the wrong thing. So I just think um there needs to definitely be, you know, definitely some rules guidelines just because. The safety of the players is the main thing because you can get hurt in a celebration or anything. Like you say, he tweaked his knee. Guys have torn their ACL just in the middle of being involved with fans. So I really think they need to do something. Otherwise, it's going to come to a point where it's going to be limited capacity or the fans in another area, not even around the guys, and it won't feel like it'll feel like we're starting over COVID-19 just over again. So fans just need to, like, it's okay if you want to have a good time, if you want to drink and stuff. But please control yourself, because we're happy sports are back, and we're happy you're back at the sports games, but we need you to control um, yourself to keep it that way, because otherwise, I wouldn't be shocked if players would start retaliating, because it's going to come to a point in time where you're just not going to take it, so. Yeah, I, I would, yeah, pretty bad memory you just brought up about the mouths of the palace, now it's just straight on oh. my head, but it's okay, yeah. we're just going to get through it, uh, we don't, no, you make a great point, we don't want those to happen again. We don't want to see that stuff happen again. There was a time where it was not policed enough, and that stuff happened. I mean, obviously, Ron Artest, Metal World Peace, he was the man that really started that, but we don't want that to happen again. I mean, we don't want to see... I I absolutely agree. I don't want to see an injury occur because of a fan's quick-second decision without really realizing what he's doing to jeopardize the athlete. Now, I'm not saying or anything like we should have, like, hold athletes up on a pedestal or whatever. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying everybody needs to understand, like, these sort of, like, you have to be aware of everything in the situation. Now, yes, would you want to go run down and get Phil's autograph after he, he holds out on 18? Sure, I understand that. But, hey, remember, there's another guy on his card that's not done yet. Like, you still have to understand the full scenario of what's going on. And this is a PGA tournament. Like, Brooks Kepka was on the line of, hey, this guy's still competing for second place, which, by the way, $1.3 million purse on the line for in second place. He's not done yet. He's still going. So the reality of the... Paycheck if he's able to finish it out. Yeah, like, it's significantly uh, higher from second to third. So he's still got stakes third. to play for. Like, these guys are still playing for a million dollars, whether they're first or fifth. Like, there's still that just understanding the situation and it's just so it's just so sad to see like that i mean obviously we don't know that it was truly because of the fans fault that he tweaked his knee or whatever but i know obviously that there was something done there because i feel like i could trust brooks's character enough to say that there was some sort of situation and i'm i wouldn't be surprised if like we said there's some fans that might have been having a little bit too much to you know or just not understanding the circumstances and the hype of the moment which we get it Phil is winning at 50 years old. We get it. Sometimes the other stuff flies right through. We're focused tunnel vision right on Phil, and then he's about to hole out for a win at age 50. We get that. But fans got to know the, the everything that's going on. They got to know the boundaries. They got to know what's going on because I know it can get hype in the moment, but this is where bad stuff happens. And, we, of course, we don't want malice of fellas to happen again because bad memory. Yeah. Get that Get that thing out of here. Because- Add on to what you were saying, just like you shouldn't need like a guardian for like someone who's 35 at a game with their kids because it's like who's watching over your kids? You're acting like their age. It's just like the only difference is you're just intoxicated or something while you're doing it. So it's just like you got to be able to control yourself and set example for others because no, I definitely agree with both you guys. Definitely, I'm honestly surprised it hasn't happened. I mean, especially back in the day it happened a lot but i'm surprised it hasn't happened like before especially on the golf scene because it's just a bunch of middle-aged guys who you know have taken a saturday off from their wives or saturday off from just like their kids or something dressed in khakis a polo and they're slamming beers left and right all day just trying to have some fun and when you get when you get to that 17 18 holes when you've been there for five six hours i'm surprised that that's never happened like to that extent before like i said it happened way back in the day when the people would storm the green and try to get the ball and kind of push over the actual golfer and stuff. But, you know, it's just stuff like that where 
we got to understand that there's actual consequences to to actions like these athletes. They seem unbreakable. They seem like gods to us, but you know the smallest things that can really kind of affect them. It, they really fight. I mean, they're playing for stuff that that kind of goes over our heads sometimes, and it just comes to a point where we just got to realize, like, we as fans, we have a responsibility. We can enjoy the game. These guys are playing for our enjoyment, but also we have to repay them with some respect and allow them to work on their craft while also kind of expecting it's kind of a give and take type thing, but we can't take more than we give, you know? Yeah. At the end of the day, they're human beings just like us. They're we're in the same situation. So uh dude speaking of um golf competition, I guess, going with um uh everything that has ex- really kind of um happened over the last couple of weeks kind of kind of folded over the fact that the match is back. Coming on July sixth, we're gonna we're going to have the match once again. I believe this will be the third installment. Yes, yep. third installment. Was, the first one was the uh, the Phil and Tiger. That was like yep. super rainy mm-hmm. last year. It was that was uh, the Peyton worst conditions. Versus, yeah, Peyton and Tiger versus uh, Phil and Tom. Yep, and, and then we had the. Real. Yep, and then we had the last one of, uh, was it Peyton and Steph against uh, Phil and Sir Charles Barkley, which probably shocked all of us. But uh, round three, going to be an interesting one. And uh, kind of going back to what Joe was talking about with uh, Brooks and Bryson, that rivalry, that also transpired after the announcement of this. Yeah, so uh, Brooks, yeah, Brooks yeah. saying sorry to um, his now partner Aaron Rodgers. Sorry, bro, about the fact that he has Bryson on his team. And, of course, Bryson responding back with, glad that I am now aware that I live in your head rent-free. So it's a very, very fun Twitter exchange. If you haven't looked it up, you, you should definitely should because it's pretty funny. But, um, also, you Bryce- saw the video of him, like, walking. Like, he's doing an interview, and, like, he walks behind him, and he just kind of rolls his eyes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like Those that's two the, that, are not going to stop. This whole, this whole debacle. <laughs> that's the thing. That's but yeah did you guys see, did you guys see the uh, uh i think it was bryson like basically all day he had like three or four guys following him just calling him brooksy and Brooks, <laughs> the whole the whole day i'm not surprised skin. and i like i think it was like i think it was the last hole of the day he hit it and then uh the guy was like oh how are you brooksy and then bryson turned around he's like whoever's calling me brooksy needs to leave <laughs> Oh, now that guy's in his head I guess rent you free. Say it's it's rent free both ways, both rent free Bryson both ways. But yeah, should be pretty exciting. Bryson pairing up with Aaron Rodgers. What an interesting choice for the circumstances he's in. What a what a controversial team to have together. Aaron Rodgers and Bryson Shambo right now. What a the only thing that probably would have made this better is get Brooks, Kepka, and Tom Brady. But instead, why not have Phil on again? So they have Phil and Tom. Versus Bryson and Aaron. Um, not gonna lie, boys. Say, I don't know. I'd say if they, if the Brooks and Bryson matchup ever happens, it's gotta be like, it's gotta be coming natural. It can't just be where they get paired up. They gotta be paired up like on a, on like a, on like the play in the or the playing rounds. You know, like the late, the late Sunday right. rounds or whatever. Just kind of let it happen. Oh yeah. Really I want, I want to see that on round four of the there open or something. Yeah. Well, all bias. I got Tom and uh, Phil winning. All bias. <laughs> it's that's thanks for thanks for admitting it. I'm not surprised, but thanks for admitting yeah. it. <laughs> that's the that's the interesting thing though, is because I heard that I know that Aaron Rodgers is like a pretty good golfer. Like he's like yeah, one he of the is. better one of the better golfers, kind of in like the pro athlete world. Um, and especially going with uh, Bryson DeChambeau, I think it's all really going to come down to Tom and Aaron because though I think the way that they're going to play, they're probably going to do the same thing. It's like the, uh, the, the two-man scramble or whatever where it's like you both have to play a ball. You both have to play one of each other's balls on each hole. So it's like you can rely on Bryson's drive, but what's Aaron going to do when he has a pitch, pitching wedge shot about 150 yards out of the green? Like what is he going to do? Or what is Tom going to do? I mean, he had that hole out, that incredible hole out last, uh, last year, like basically at the start of COVID when they had the match. But – like he still didn't play very well. I mean, pay, or whoever I forget who they played last year, but they kind of like took over near the end of the near the end of the match. So it's definitely going to be interesting. I can't wait to watch because that was one of my favorite things. It's kind of an unscripted, you know, banter between the announcers, between the guys having yeah. like no fan. I don't know if they'll have fans there. We'll see. But nonetheless, I can't wait to just kind of see them kind of uh, like just shoot back and forth what they're going to say and kind of banter and chirping at each other a little bit. It's it's something that I really like to see, especially since it kind of relates it to like the common golfer and stuff like that. 
Definitely. Oh, absolutely. I, I absolutely love the idea of the match put together. I think Capital One did a great job of putting that together. Marketing, admission, TV ratings, everything just through the roof. Amazing idea. Uh, if I had to pick somebody right now, I don't know. I might be on the, the Travis train of Tom and Phil, but sure. not not because of Tom Brady. And of course, why why would I not expect Travis to select Tom Brady in whatever sport we're talking about? But um, well, I just you know, I just think you know winners you know pair well together. When you win, they see you around winners. Phil and Tom, you know, they have a good habit of that. Not saying Aaron Rodgers is not a winner either, but I think it'll be interesting to That is very true. I mean, you look at it like Phil and Tom won multiple championships at the top of their craft where Bryson and Aaron have really won. You could really say one in each of their in each of theirs. So uh, it is kind of the, the young guns against the veteran winners. But I I, I like the idea of Bryson and um, Aaron put together because I think they I think you like when I'm picturing as far as how Aaron plays. And I mean, I've seen him a couple of times playing the celebrity pro-ams and stuff like that where I, I could see Aaron as a pretty consistent guy. Like, he could probably do everything, where Bryson's going to hit the long ball off the tee every single time, and he has the rest of that part of the game. But, I mean, watching Bryson as of, late, like, uh, as of recently, there's been times where he shanked drives, and how they're going to do out of that scrambling situation, whoever gets in that situation, I don't like either of their chances, where, of course, we got Phil on the other side who can do virtually anything in any sort of lie um as long as he doesn't overthink it because you know how many things run in his head before he shoots but um and then of course tom's gonna hole out from like 180 away and we're all gonna make a huge deal about it once again just like he did in the first time if i had to take a winner i'm going to take phil and tom of course i said phil first for the reason but anyway <laughs> that's what I'm, <laughs> I'm just anyway but anyway going into our next topic but first joe you want to tell us about our podcast there, brother? Oh, yeah. Always shameless plug. You can catch the MBSP. I mean, check. first of all, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can get the latest in sports news, various stuff. Check our stories. You guys can get a lot of uh, news about that, especially with uh, some good stuff. But also, check out our podcast, Anchor. Uh, what is it? Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, Brandon, I'm blanking. Help me out here. All the rest of them. All Wherever the you find your podcast, it'll probably be there. Hundred odd some platforms that we have our podcast on. Check it out. We really appreciate. It. Also, check out Mike's and Takes. Also, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, whole bunch of stuff. Brandon or sorry, Barrett and Travis. Sorry, they guys sure. they're really Thank good. Had a super good. Uh, they have a really good uh, chemistry on the mic. So definitely go give them a listen as well. Appreciate yeah, that, and before you, we you yes. guys are growing too. Oh, go ahead, Brent. That's all I was going to say. <laughs> no, that's great. I'm glad you mentioned that. But I will want to say before we get in even further, like if you're watching this right now and you haven't subscribed to Bulldog Radio, do it right now because that doesn't make any sense if you're watching us but not subscribed because how are you going to know we're putting out episodes? Come you know, on, man. If you subscribe, I will cash out you $5. All right, I might not actually cash out you $5, but just subscribe to the channel. <laughs> that wow. is a good also idea. But also subscribe to the MVSP as well on youtube yes it's right youtube we're putting all of our show highlights there so if you want to find out featured segments all of our goofs and giggles or whatever we're talking about on the show we will put those there so you can definitely check that out as well but moving into another joe's just having a great day today we get to talk about golf now we get to talk about hockey everything i want to talk about absolutely fantastic day for mr naggy but going into the nhl playoffs now in full bloom we are getting straight underway fighting for the Stanley Cup in 2021. And right now, this is a new kind of a time for the NHL as they have implemented a new playoff format. Very interesting format. What are your guys' thoughts on this new reseeding intradivisional mashup, I should should say, we have? I think it's just like the one-time thing, especially since it'll probably go back to normal uh, this upcoming, like, this upcoming season. We just kind of I think travel will kind of be back. It's basically all just going to be betting on what Canada is going to be doing because I know their COVID restrictions are a little bit more strict as of now than America, so it's kind of going to be on them. But I, I don't mind it too much. It's kind of been... Uh, we're basically facing off against the same people that we've been facing off all year uh, for teams kind of with that interdimensional series. But I, I don't mind it. I don't really see too much of a difference of it. It's just kind of uh, teams are kind of getting paired up with 
I'd say it's a little hit or miss of like if there's going to be a good series, if it's going to be a bad series. We've seen a couple so far, but uh, what are your thoughts, Travis? I think it definitely gives certain teams an advantage and other teams kind of a disadvantage since it is different than like what we're doing in America. So I think it's like very interesting because in a way it can sway a certain like um, champion as you see like in some of the series, like Toronto's up 3-1 right now, you know, in their series with um, game five happening today at seven, you know, so I just think it's like different things that's going to help like propel teams to um, a win. But also, I think, um, in a way, I think a lot of sports, especially NHL, they're trying to find different ways to make things more competitive and make fans go, oh, they're doing that. Now, like the NBA playing tournament, like, oh, this is new. They're just trying to do things. And really, it's about marketing. And I think it's a great money scheme as well. So I do think it is good for the game. I don't think they'll keep it forever. I do see this as like an experiment for the next few years. Yeah, I, I feel like. This will be very interesting to see how this all progresses, especially over the next year uh, with how these playoffs end up going because I think it is kind of a hit or miss because, I mean, we've heard fans' takes about it. It's like, why change it if it's not broken type of thing? And uh, I mean, really kind of the, the re-bracketing thing just kind of seems a little weird because, I mean, I know like going into a tournament, like personally, whether whatever, whatever sport it is, like you're looking down the line of, we're preparing like a game, like theoretically a game you had. Like, I mean, obviously you're going to be preparing for the game that you're playing, but the, the interesting part that I see about this is like, like going into as far as the brackets are concerned. Like um, if you're like, if you're the penguins and you're going in playing the Islanders, like theoretically it's like, Oh, okay, we're playing them. And then if we win, we're going to play Washington or Boston. And then theoretically it's like, Oh, well, if, Boston wins and then it ends up getting shifted and there's another two seats like wait now we're in a we got to start all over where it's like normally you have okay so we're going to be playing this team we're going to prepare for this team and then of course you're going to have things implemented because you're always going to be preparing in the future of course because you're going to be preparing and stuff and practice for that team but you're also going to be preparing for the team next ahead because you don't want to go and dry against them either so I think there's some things that make that a little bit more interesting. I know I've had experience in that personally in a bunch of different sports where you're going to be looking at one team, but you're also looking at the next team in mind. So that's going to kind of make it a little bit interesting as far as scouting reports go and as far as pre-series pre, um, prep, excuse me, as far as those matchups are going to go. It's going to be really interesting because now it's going to make a whole different Oriama when we got all of these teams coming in and we have a bunch of four seeds win. Now, how, what's this exact seeding going to be like? It's going to make it really interesting. Yeah, I'm super excited, especially with kind of like how the how the opening rounds have been going so far. There's a lot of like really good series that have been going so far. I, I'm really looking forward to being able to watch uh, the Golden Knights in the Wild play. I think mm -hmm. it's tomorrow. I think yeah. their game six, they're tied, or their game seven, excuse me, they're tied 3-3. Three, three. It's been a super entertaining series so far. It's basically just been back and forth, like, while they were able to beat Golden or the Golden Knights 3-0 last last game, but they've just been able to play super solid hockey. And playoff hockey is literally just a different breed of entertainment, so I'm just super excited. Uh, but there's a couple more that I really want to get into as well. But I don't know if you guys have been paying too much attention, but what do you got? What series and what kind of games have been catching your attention so far? I definitely want to see the Hurricanes and um, Predators. That's tonight at 9:30. So obviously um, the Hurricanes are up 3-2. Uh, to two. I think this is just an interesting series with them getting a chance to close it out on the road tonight for Game 6. And um, I just think, like you said, playoff hockey is amazing. And being here in um, Detroit, we were used to seeing the Red Wings make the playoffs 25 straight years, yeah. you know, the glory days. You were used Stanley, to, yeah. yeah, 11 Stanley Cups, but uh, hopefully we'll get We'll get there, boys. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, yeah, that's an interesting series. I like how most of these series are competitive. You're not seeing a lot of sweeps. Like you just said, the series that you were just talking about is going to a game seven for the Wild, and the series I just named is going to a game six for the Hurricanes. So a lot of this is competitive. Not, everyone's getting their money's worth, so I think it's great that you're having these like long series in um, these first rounds to kind of like extend the playoffs a little bit. So I think um, it's going to be a good one. I do think um, the Hurricanes will uh, close it out tonight on the road. It's going to be tough, but I do think they um, will. It's going to be a close game. Yeah, definitely.
Yeah, good divisional pick there, Travis, because I'm actually really looking into the one on the theoretically right underneath of them in the bracket, and that's the Panthers and the defending champions of the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, obviously, it just ended the Lightning, took that one 4-2, to two. Um, but I was really surprised. Like, it, it was really entertaining as far as, like, it's not obviously as entertaining as Golden Knights and the uh, Wild going into a seven-game series, because, of course, game seven, best two words in all of sports. So that this series is was really interesting because, of, I mean, the Panthers played pretty well i mean obviously last two games it kind of or i'm sorry last game they kind of just kind of crapped out a little bit yeah. but then again they're playing the defending champs so uh i mean obviously that the lightning are really in a position where they look like they're ready to contend and i, I really see them as title contenders again i mean oh yeah you're picking the team that won last year's duh but everything that's happened has transpired over the season like there's been down points they've had some roster changes they've still been able to play at a high level and they're still in a good position obviously not as great of seeding but they're still playing like they're a top seed i mean obviously you see the number three next to their name on on the playoff brackets but everybody in hockey knows this team is legit that's why they won last year they're bringing everybody back stamkos has been on fire and these guys just continually continually pounded on the offensive end and until that stop they might grab that Stanley Cup for the second year in a row, in my mind. I think, I think they can do is they ha- actually have Stamkos back. Stamkos yes, was injured last that was year, huge. Not even in the in the Stanley Cup when they were able to get the dub there. And I think that's like the that's a huge thing now because they have Kucherov, who's been on fire. They have Stamkos, who's a big facilitator of the game. Their captain is back. He was able to lift the cup with them last year. Wasn't able to get the be able to kind of do anything to be able to get that. But nonetheless, they do have a chance this year. So that's going to be one team to definitely watch out for. Another team to watch out for, boys. I think you might know where I'm going with this. It's my Islanders. Oh, of course, yes. Uh, able to able to knock out the Penguins, uh, four to two. They been playing pretty solid. A little bit of a scare. A little bit of a scare in game four, or sorry, game five. Excuse me. Uh, but after game six, I don't think you can doubt it's gonna be a electric series with them and the Bruins. I'm super excited for that. We didn't have haven't had the best success with them so far in the regular season, but I think playoff hockey, especially. Uh, with Nassau being able to, uh, they're not full capacity, but there is a lot of fans there. I think that's going to be a big thing that's going to be able to propel them pretty far. So, I definitely agree with you. I think the Islanders are absolutely closing out the series, you know, five um, to three yesterday, winning against the Penguins. I thought we were under, uh, underrating them a little bit. I think the Islanders definitely can make it that next step to win. And um, I think that will be very cool if they could win um, the, the whole championship just because uh, Trevor, our, uh, form, well, a former uh, sports comm major at Fair State, just graduated. Congrats to him. He's a huge fan. Shout out. He's from there. So, uh, yeah, shout out, Trevor. I think, I think they can definitely make the push. And um, that was a very interesting series. Tough one for them. But I think um, next round they're only going to continue to get better. As long as they can continue to get goals and get a lot of saves, it's going to um, definitely help them. Yeah, for sure. And I would also throw out one more name, of course, the Avalanche. Playing lights out right now, so you could obviously put Avalanche them in that conversation. But yeah, we we don't like talking about them as Wings fans because, of course, we have a history of how that's transpired. But, uh, yeah. Bad, bad memories. Yeah, Avalanche, dead to me. Anyway, going into our last subject of the show, of course, it is Call Your Shot. It's our debate series. We have our debate question today. Just as good as the last one. Of course, you missed the last one. You got to check that one out on the last show. We had a pretty good discussion about the most exciting player in sports. We're sticking in the exciting category, but now it's strictly most exciting sport to watch. Who would like to go first? Because I think this will be a very interesting one. You want to take it, Travis? All right, I'll start off. I think, guys, this is an easy question. I think it's lacrosse gnome spike. What? No, oh my god! <laughs> no, no, I gotta, I gotta go with basketball. Um, it's always been my favorite sport. Love playing it, watching it, and um, I just think it's something globally that brings people together. And um, with the NBA, hopefully they'll stop the love managing soon. But it's just been exciting, like guys like Steph Curry changing the game. LeBron James has been dominating as long as he has Kevin Durant and all these other top guys, you know, do a lot of different things for the NBA. And um, I love it. You know, an 82-game season usually in the normal pre-COVID. So I think uh, it's been, in my opinion, the best game there is and the most fun uh, to watch. Mm. I, my, my, I, I like basketball. I love to go watch basketball games. I actually have which kind of sucks. I've been to, like, 
you know, the drive and stuff like that. I've been to the yeah. G League and all that stuff. But definitely on my bucket list, especially for uh, next year to get down to Detroit, down to uh, L- L- LCA and watch yeah. a couple games uh, for the Pistons. But I think my favorite sport, I think you guys already know by what I said uh, in our last segment, it's got to be hockey. Regular season, it's regular season's a little bit slower, but when it hits that playoffs, man, a, fl- a flip is just, or a switch is just flipped. And the atmosphere of playoff hockey is insane. It doesn't matter if it's the AHL, the NHL, college hockey, or anything. When you get to that point of where everything's on the line, where you're really fighting for that season, where if you lose one game, that could basically be it for your season. That's just one thing that just flips the flips the whole the whole attitude around it. When you get in the stadium that's really back behind their team, that's just electric the whole night, I don't think there's a better experience, especially for fans, than going to a playoff hockey game, especially when it's a really good one. I, hockey is just something. It's a, it's a different breed, really. Yeah, I I I this is this is absolutely perfect for for video's sake because you two have both mentioned my top two uh, as far as sports to watch. Which one's number one? Ooh, I'm actually gonna to select us, what? Give it to us, Brandon. Ooh, it's tough. They're really close. I'll tell you if you asked if you had said. Like honestly, like I'm a pretty big football fan myself, as you guys really you know very well. Yeah. Um, I really like football. I am not a huge as far as te- like in person. It's a little bit different, obviously, than um television. Of yeah. course, we could get into that, but I mean, strictly, we'll just make it generic, and that we won't get too specific uh-huh. into it. But um, as right. far as if you're giving me either uh, a basketball game or a hockey game, as far as tickets are concerned in person, I, I'm jumping all over each, like either one. But if I had got both and I had to choose one in my hand, oh, I'm, that's tough, but I can't turn on a hockey game. I really can't. Hockey is going to be my number one. Joe, I'm I would go with you as well. But I mean, I, I see you guys double team me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a, it's not a whole double team. I really respect basketball. I mean, I know personally myself being with athletics at Ferris, like I had pretty much all last year playing or doing music for hockey and basketball, pretty much best of both worlds for me. It was really perfect. Like going to get to watch games at work as well. Absolutely fantastic. But hockey, it's just, it's just so exciting from puck drop to the final buzzer. It, it really just is a sport that is so high intense. And like, as far as everything inside is exciting. I mean, the small playing surface makes it so interesting. And every there's something happening every single time. Like, there's really no time of stalling. There's, I mean, if you have a couple media timeouts and stoppages that you can catch your breath for a little bit. But it's so high intensity. There's always something going on. I mean, basketball is kind of the same way. But basketball is really kind of slowed down, it seems like, a little bit as far as recently. But that's just, I think, just because of the way everything's been going on and everything. So... Um, I think players are a little bit, uh, not necessarily to the full stamina that they were pre-COVID, but taking that aside, like hockey, it's it's 100% pedal to the metal all game long. And that's what I absolutely love about it. And there's always something going on. And especially up close and personal, that gets really exciting when you got guys skating at high speeds and they're making moves and defenders are smashing people in open ice. It's just a fun sport. I absolutely love it. And I really think a lot of people probably put it under the radar as far as major sports to watch. I think some people can watch a hockey game. And, I mean, soccer, baseball, a little bit different caliber than hockey and basketball for sure. I think one thing I'll add, too, to both your points, even though I'm a huge basketball guy, I've always loved, like, basketball, football, and baseball. But I learned liking hockey when I first came to Ferris, like, first semester, like, 2019 like starting to cover some of the hockey games i got a love for hockey because i used to think a lot of it was just it was just like fun watching the fighting but like it's really really exciting so like you know hockey's amazing the power plays everything about it you know the goals the overtime hockey you both chose a, a great sport yeah i i love watching basketball so i think you also made a great choice but i also i will Thank say this you. I do like watching soccer. You all can make your you you can make your cringy faces at me right now. For this. I will give you that. I will give you that. Soccer in the right setting, like you have to have like a you have to have a solid fan base around you to watch a mm-hmm. good soccer game. But if you have just like if you go to like, I can't really think of like a bad fan base, but like if you go to one like in England, if you go to like West Ham, yes, City or Manchester yes, United or those fans are diehard, and you'll get an experience unlike any other in the sports world. 
You can go to even MLS. You can go to Portland Timbers, Seattle Sounders, the LAFC, LA Galaxy, something like that. Those fans, they'll let they'll let you know like how big of fans they are. They'll always be chance. It'll be an electric atmosphere. It's just kind of like that thing where how how often are you gonna have a really great fan experience for these or like uh, for these sports like with I've got I guess my kind of like uh, I guess like critique of a lot of these sports like if I'm definitely gonna want to go watch them is like how many times out of ten am I gonna get an amazing fan experience you know. That's good too, because like especially at fairs, our girls' soccer team is amazing. You know, so uh, I've learned to like soccer a lot too. So I think you both make good points. Yeah, the fan experience, especially overseas, it's it's a different breed. I mean, the MLS is starting to get up there, like especially with um who you just mentioned with Portland and Seattle, Joe. I mean, those two teams are probably at the top class as far as fan experiences go in the MLS. But it's just a different breed. The game never stops, but. I can understand why people don't like to watch on TV because it is a slow sport. I get it, which is why hockey and basketball, of course, have better selections. But that was our show. I, we appreciate everybody for tuning in to the Shot Callers episode two. We appreciate your view. If you want to check this out again on podcast format, you can. The Most Valuable Sports Podcast on whatever platform you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, and the 9,000 different options we have thanks to Anchor. And, of course, thanks to Bulldog Radio for making this happen. But, boys, fantastic show. Fantastic, boys. Sir, have a great weekend. See you guys. Take care, everybody.